inviting ourselves to find our posture for this time. bringing our attention to the body as we do so. And just taking some time to settle into the body as we settle into the posture and to make any adjustments that are needed. so that the body can feel supported and grounded, stable and steady, upright, open and relaxed. as we're doing this we're already practicing not just getting ready to practice we're already practicing awareness coming into the body settling into the body as we take the time now to settle the body for the meditation practice so that the body is as comfortable, as supported as it can be. Allowing more stillness over the meditation time, meditation session. Particularly paying attention to that balance between uprightness and ease. In the body. What does that mean for you? How does that show itself in your body? Settling the attention and the awareness in the body and using the body to anchor and gather can be helpful to use areas of contact, either contact of the body with the seat, with the floor, or the contact of the body with itself, like the hands in contact with the lap or the legs or each other. Feeling for yourself what body sense is most grounding now. Just settling, rooting, anchoring the awareness there. Settling the awareness there.
And from that anchoring in your own time, gently expanding the awareness through the body, widening it, opening it, stretching it even so that it fills up the body, expands and stretches across the body. Feeling the awareness expand and fill up the whole body space and maybe even a little bit beyond the body. As we're doing this, tuning in to an attitude of kindness, right here in the practice, right here in this bringing of awareness and attention to the body experience. Sensations of contact or the wider body awareness. Can we do this as an act of kindness? We bring in an attitude of kindness. Letting our attention and our awareness be colored with kindness. might feel as if the whole space of awareness in the body is filled with kindness. So you may wish to include here the flow and movement of the breathing breath may be a vehicle for this attitude of kindness or it might be just just be met with kindness feeling the flow of the breathing feeling the support and the stability of the body and rooting ourselves absorbing ourselves into this intention and attitude of kindness Practice as an act of kindness towards myself. Practice as an act of kindness towards others. I'll just take some time to rest into that and explore it. Supported by body and breath, wide awareness, and remembering of practice as an act of kindness.
as we bring awareness to the body or the breath, can we do it with kindness? Can we remember kindness? Can we let kindness shine through the being, through the body? Be carried on the breath. Now opening to feel whatever we're grateful for in this moment. 
It might be something that you appreciate or are enjoying in your immediate experience. Maybe this breath or a pleasant body sensation or a sense of ease somewhere in the body or the mind. It might be something that you feel gratitude for in your life. So opening to feel, opening the heart-mind to gratitude and appreciation. Not trying too hard to find something, but opening and inviting, seeing what arises. And then resting into any gratitude, any appreciation that you meet, that arises. Letting yourself sit fully in it and with it, immersing, letting it permeate and fill the being. The body and breath continue to be a support as we practice, as we open to gratitude, open to appreciation.
For the rest of our practice time together, around 15 minutes, choosing for yourself a primary object. It may be that intention of kindness. It might be the sense of gratitude and appreciation. Maybe the simplicity of the breath or the body. Just finding one practice to continue with for this time. And I'll just offer a gentle reminder once in a while. If you notice that the mind is distracted and you notice the tone, the quality of attention when it notices distraction, 
Is there any harshness, judgment? Is it possible to soften and to incline the mind to the joy of being present, of being found? Take time to do this. Don't rush. Slowly, patiently and kindly incline the mind to kindness, to appreciation, to joy. And then bring awareness back to the object as you do this. Practice as an act of kindness. How does that impact experience? How does it impact this moment? As you come back to the object of your practice, whether it's the intention of kindness, gratitude, or the simplicity of the breath and the body, what's possible?
taking a moment to notice where you are. Where is the awareness? What's the tone? The attitude of the mind? Can we incline towards kindness, appreciation, even joy? In this moment to moment, presence, remembering, returning to the object of our practice. taking your time as you transition from one form of practice to another no rush
So as we were practicing right now, practicing this intention of kindness, practicing opening to gratitude, to appreciation, these are all um, aspects of, of dana, dana practice. Practice uh, of giving and receiving. I was just reflecting in the meditation just um, how much kindness and generosity goes into making these sessions possible. Uh, the staff at Gaia House these days they work many more hours than the hours that they're paid for in order to, to make these kind of offerings possible. And so there's the, that sense of kindness and the kindness of all of us um, of prioritizing coming here, yeah. supporting each other to practice, um, supporting and nourishing what we may feel is beneficial in the world, yeah. all of that. Acts of generosity, acts of kindness, and really the way this this form is woven, this offering is woven. And there's also very much um, in in dana practice the um, the aspect of gratitude and appreciation, yeah, opening to that, yeah, appreciating ourselves for turning up, yeah, for prioritizing this and having perhaps a sense of gratitude and appreciation towards others. You know, what would you feel, what would it feel like if it was only you <laughs> with me here? It would feel, you know, maybe great, maybe, uh, maybe, you know, if I think of myself, quite uncomfortable, you know, to have, you know, all the attention of the, of the teacher focused. And so a lot of what is available here is the support of the community of the Sangha. We can really um, root in. So all of these are aspects of dana practice, so fundamental to the teaching, this giving and receiving, this sharing and participation. And as you know, these sessions are offered fully in the spirit of dana. It's a very beautiful way to offer things that are precious to us. Um, so there's the possibility to um, offer something back. You know, you're already offering your presence, your participation, your support to each other, um, but to also offer um, financial dana to support uh, Gaia House and to support uh, the teachings via the teacher in this case. So if you feel moved to do that um, and it's possible for you, then... Uh, all the information is on the Guy House website, yeah, on the same page that had the link, that has the link to the online Dharma Hall. And really remembering as we do that, that it's the movement of dana through us that is the most significant and important, um, and that we support each other and we support the Dharma as we practice. So no amount is too small, no amount is too large. Yeah. It's that movement through the heart. That, that has significance, that has meaning and value. So this evening I'd like to share some reflections on um, a kind of a phenomena of the, of the human mind. 
of the human psyche uh, that um, you know you may you may have come across this in your life and in your practice uh, what we often call the the inner critic you know that voice within us which uh, spends quite a lot of time judging ourselves and um, I just want to say, you know, like if in case you're thinking, oh, this is meant to be a Dharma talk, isn't that within the realm of psychology? <laughs> so I'm not a psychologist. I have actually, I actually have got a degree in psychology, but um, I'm not a psychologist. It's very ancient that degree, and I never practiced. Um, but uh, I'm sharing this uh, because this is such a strong pattern for for many of us. You know, maybe not all of us. Uh, and you have a lot to be grateful for if you don't know this in your own experience. Um, but it's certainly you know, very, very strong in, in the human psyche. And this kind of quality of judging and comparing ourselves um, in, a, in a negative way. Um, and it shows itself yeah, with some intensity in our lives and also in our practice. Yeah. And this is why um, it matters. And I, I just said that, and actually found myself saying that this morning, and then doing what I'm doing right now, um, of of kind of correcting <laughs> myself because everything is our practice. So it shows itself in our formal practice on the cushion, and it shows itself itself in our life practice off the cushion. Okay, it shows itself, and it can have quite an impact uh, on ourselves and on others. And I just want to touch on a few um, elements of this, of this phenomena, of this um, coming together, yeah, something that comes together. Uh, one aspect of it is um, it feels like, you know, the inner critic al- almost comes like with a, co- with a hook. <laughs> yeah, it hooks on to things. Yeah, so something will happen in our experience and the the inner critic will, will hook onto it or will uh, piggyback on it if you want a slightly uh, more fun way of, of looking at it. Yeah, and kind of piggyback onto that experience. And so um, it doesn't actually differentiate too much what the experience is. It might be that we're having a very lovely experience. Yeah, maybe we're sitting in meditation and there's ease and the mind is quiet. Um, maybe there's a sense of openness and beauty um, and it can be that at some point the, uh, the inner critic will hook on or jump on to that experience and start telling us um, perhaps why we don't deserve to have that or how it's not going to last yeah. so um, you know that c- it, it can happen with with really wholesome and beautiful and lovely experiences and it can equally also of course um, come up in more challenging times when we might hear it um, criticizing us for uh, getting into this situation for example or tell us that you know this is this is who we are and we may as well accept it you know there's no way out of this so kind of really the, the kind of few things that I want to highlight there is that sense of that hooking and piggybacking onto the experience and that it can come up within the whole range of, of our human experience. It's not just when things are hard. It's not just when things are going well. 
Um, and this kind of affects us in different ways. One way that it affects us, and this is really relevant to our practice, is that we may start avoiding certain things because the inner critic has a tendency to hook on to them. Yeah, so there may be um, you know, beautiful aspirations that we might have, or a wish for creativity, yeah. or um, you know, something like our own generosity, our own wholesome intentions and qualities. And we just won't go there with our attention and our awareness yeah, because of that tendency. For, for of the inner critic to, to get in there. So we actually start um, developing avoidance uh, of things that are actually wholesome because of the pain that this pattern uh, brings, yeah, because of the way the inner critic gets entangled. So that's kind of one thing to just have there in the realm. And, um, a few other interesting things about the inner critic. So when the inner critic latches onto experience or hooks onto it, um, a few things that it does, it really makes whatever is going on, usually, about me. Yeah? It's about me. It builds up the sense of self in a negative way. Yeah. Builds up the sense of self. This is about me. Really narrows down our world. And narrows down our experience. Anything that's going on, it's what it says about me. It's how it defines uh, my idea of myself. Yeah, so that's one thing it does. The other is it really emphasizes what isn't good enough. Yeah. Emphasizes the negative. So like I said, it can come up when things are really lovely and going well. It emphasizes what isn't good enough. Emphasizes the sense of lack. Emphasizes... Um, the more negative aspects of our lives. And it's really important to highlight that this is a pattern of mind. Yeah? It can go very deep. Yeah? For some of us, um, you know, it started very early in our, in our lives. Um, but it, it's a pattern and therefore it's workable. Yeah? We can work with it. We can um, bring change to how we relate to it. And it's even possible to be free of it. Yeah. It's possible to be free. So I want to offer a few reflections on um, ways that we can work. Yeah, ways that we can work with this pattern. Yeah. So to make it quite practical. Yeah, and I'm going to offer quite a few different options. Um, and if you're interested in exploring them, just listen to them. I mean, take notes. I can see some of you are taking notes. That's absolutely fine. Um, but just know that um, you don't have to then try all of them. <laughs> you can see what kind of feels there's a resonance with what feels interesting and, and just um, adopt one or two, explore one or two. Um, definitely initially. So so I'm going to change the language a little bit to begin with. So I, I was calling it in the classic way, it's called the inner critic, which is quite a persona already, right? We're already giving it some, some um, quite a lot of um, weight yeah, and substance. 
to this character. Um, so I would say, for example, for me, I find it helpful to just refer to it as that critical voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a voice, or the judging voice, or whatever, you know, whatever language fits um, for you. And the first suggestion I'd make is to encourage yourself to have a conversation with this voice within you. So one way of having a conversation is to actually turn towards that voice when it's present and perhaps ask it, what is it that you really want? What is it that you really want? Or um, what would make you happy? And just pause there, you know, ask the question, just pause and see um, what arises in response. What would satisfy you? Is another really good one. <laughs> but you know, feel free to be to be creative because that voice is actually a voice of dissatisfaction. Right? And it really fits often the image of the the hungry ghost in in Buddhism. You know, there's this that the um, experience of you know of ourselves and we see it in others of the hungry ghost. That um, aspect that cannot be satisfied. Yeah, you know, that keeps hungering, that sense of dissatisfaction. Um, But just that sense of having a conversation, what does that do? It first of all allows us to get in touch um, with more of our experience beyond that voice. And remember, that's not the only thing that's there. It gives us some sense of agency, but also often can give, um, allow some insight to arise. But what, what is this? What do you actually want? Who are you? What would satisfy you? What would make you happy? Um, And this can bring relief and can also, over time, really dissolve the the hold of that pattern on us. So this is one kind of area of exploration that we can bring. Another area is... um, to see, and I kind of mentioned it, how um, whatever is going on, when this voice comes in, it focuses on me, yeah? on the sense of self. This is about me. So what happens if we shift the view from um, this being a measure of my own goodness or badness, to actually evaluating my actions. Actions rather than essence. Okay, and I'm going to give an example of this. I can see some perplexed faces. (laughs) So, say we're, you know, I'm on my meditation cushion and I'm meditating uh, kind of, you know, towards the middle of the session so the energy is a bit lower and um, and, you know, a, a cool fantasy comes up, you know. You might be thinking about, what do I feel like cooking for lunch today? And, uh, and I kind of just, you know, I've got the fantasy. I know that I should go back to the breath or the metaphrase or whatever it is. But in that moment, I don't really want to. I want to go with the fantasy. Okay, so I go with the fantasy. And a few minutes later, a full-on fantasy. And I, 
you know, maybe it's a guided meditation, somebody says, where are you now? <laughs> Is there any distraction going on? And it's like, oh no, you know. And it becomes from, you know, just that moment, right? Just that choice of going with a fantasy and that just being an action, it becomes about, you know, oh, I'm a really terrible meditator. Yeah. And not only am I a terrible meditator, I'm actually a terrible person. Yeah. Because here I am and I should be practicing um, for the sake of all beings and I'm actually choosing to fantasize about what I'm, what I'm going to cook for lunch today. Okay, so do you see that, that difference, you know, that we can make, that, that, that discernment, when it comes up and it takes practice, yeah, because our inclination is to make this about me, yeah, I'm a bad meditator, I'm a bad friend, I'm a bad parent, you know, whatever it is, I'm a ba- just, a, just a bad person, um, and it kind of escalates as you can see, uh, but actually, no, that was a bad choice, yeah, that wasn't skillful, that was a moment um, where I maybe got carried away. Yeah. And kind of what, what, you know, bring it back, actions, not essence. Yeah. And we see the difference. And of course, as we develop that with ourselves, you know, really helps us in our relationships with others, right? The more we can see that in ourselves becomes really helpful in our relationships with others. So we, we shift that, yeah, we shift um, what we're looking at, what we're evaluating, what we're measuring, what we're judging. Another way of doing this is to bring our attention to our intentions rather than what happens. Yeah, so again, if we look at, at meditation practice, you know, so, yeah, my intention for the practice was kindness. Yeah, my intentions for the practice, you know, we had beautiful intentions at the beginning here. My intention for the practice was connection. My intention for the practice was, you know, um, compassion. You know, whatever, whatever my intention was, we shifted to the intention rather than evaluating ourselves according to, you know, how well the meditation went. Again, you know, more distraction, and we think, oh, it's only, you know, that's about me. Yeah. But no, so many conditions come in to create a particular meditation. So, can we rest back into our intention rather than um, how things are unfolding? Yeah, and judging um, the meditation itself. So that's another kind of way of, of doing this, of kind of shifting what we're evaluating, what we're focusing on with our attention. And along with that, we can incline the mind to the positive in, in ourselves, if we can, yeah, or in the moment. Yeah, we can reflect, if it's possible for us, on our good quality qualities, on our good intentions, on our wholesome um, actions. So we can uh, shift that. So moving from the sense of where I'm not good enough to actually my resources, my gifts. And we're balancing because the mind will be drawn to what isn't okay. And so we're balancing that by bringing attention again and again to, to the good. Yeah, to the positive.
going to pause for a moment to let all of that sink in because there's a few more. So we can also ask ourselves, you know, and this kind of follows on from some of the things we've been, I've touched on, what exactly is being criticized right now? Like I said, it'd be very much focused on criticizing or judging the self, me. But just asking, what what am I really criticizing? What is really being criticized here? And most of the time, it will just be a moment, like an event that happened for a moment, but it will get blown up into into our sense of self. Yeah, maybe a moment of distraction, a moment of forgetfulness, yeah. a moment of not being aligned with our intentions. And that kind of really gets blown up. And we look at it and we say, okay, can I actually find the self? Yeah. And so this is, is an opportunity yeah, to go really deep into the practice and the teachings. So here's this self-criticism, <laughs> yeah, this inner critic. Can I find the self that's being criticized here? Where is it? Can I actually find it? Meta practice. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, I wonder if I've ever given a talk that didn't have meta in it. Not sure. Yeah. So, meta practice, uh, really supportive for working with this, uh, with this pattern of our heart and mind. Um, both as a formal practice, yeah, with the phrases or in any other way that you practice metta, uh, but also just as an attitude, just like we were practicing right now yeah, in, the, in the practice this session, opening to that intention of kindness, letting ourselves meet experience with kindness, uh, fill up the being with kindness. And over time, this can be a huge resource and really shift um, this pattern, yeah? directing the metta inwardly, and if it's too hard to direct it to ourselves, then directing it to somebody else, that's easier. Okay, what's important is that the meta flows through the being. Yeah, so it can help us in the short term when we're feeling overwhelmed by this pattern or we're feeling the painfulness of it. Um, and it can also, it's really helpful to practice it at other times um, as well. Yeah, so not just as a, a first aid response but as a building up of resilience yeah. over time. So bringing in the meta practice um, as much as we can, like I said, as an attitude um, or as the formal practice, uh, whatever works for you or as a combination. And the last, um, the last thing that, that comes to mind right now, at least, is to make a shift, um, shifting the emphasis 
of our awareness and of um, our practice even from self yeah. to um, all beings yeah. be really useful yeah, remembering um, this isn't just about me yeah, not just practicing uh, for me and practicing uh, for all beings it's yeah, a big part of our practice and you know what that does is it really opens out the space because you know I think this has been obvious with all these ways of working but part of what the this critical voice does it really narrows down our experience really narrows down our world so anything that can open out the field is helpful and so moving the focus of the practice from just this being to more beings or to all beings yeah, can really help and sometimes um, actually not just with this particular critical voice but with any experience that's painful for us that's challenging might be physical pain might be emotional pain sometimes if we can uh, remember okay what happens to this experience when I remember that I'm practicing um, for the sake of more than just me uh, what happens to that experience how does that how does that shift the field from the very narrow to something more vast um, that gives us space and nourishment and support which is by the way also what metta does of course it opens up the space it's so important and so sometimes we can even uh, feel as if okay I'm taking on this difficulty that's already here it's present what if I take it on um, for the sake of others as well and use it as fuel for my practice as fuel for my um, intention yeah. and motivation yeah. and what happens then what happens then thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate